Chapter Eighteen of the Stowmarket Mystery or A Legacy of Hate by Lewis Tracy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Caroline. Chapter Eighteen. Further complications. Brett devoted half an hour to Fraser's business affairs next morning david was present and the result of the conclave is shown by the following excerpt from a letter the barrister sent by them to mrs capella incidentally excusing his personal attendance at the hall in my opinion your cousin david and you should guarantee the payment of the land tax on mr fraser's estate six hundred fifty pounds per annum for five years you should give him a reasonable sum to rehabilitate his wardrobe and pay the few small debts he has contracted besides allowing him a weekly stipend to enable him to live properly for another year i will place him in touch with sound financial people who will exploit his estate if they think the prospects are good and you can cooperate in the scheme if you are so advised by your solicitors with whom the financiers i recommend will carry weight failing support in england mr fraser says he can make his own way in the argentine if helped in the manner i suggest he explained to the two young men that his movements that day would be uncertain if the ladies still adhered to their resolve to proceed to london forthwith the whole party would stay at the same hotel in that event they should send a telegram to his victoria street chambers and he would dine with them otherwise they must advise him of their whereabouts left to himself he curled up in an armchair knotting legs and arms in the most uncomfortable manner and rendering it necessary to crane his neck before he could remove a cigar from his lips in such posture alternated with a rapid walking about the room he could think best the waiter not knowing that the barrister had remained in the hotel came in to see what trifles might be strewed about the table or a mantelpiece in the shape of loose smokes or broken hundreds of cigarettes like most people his eyes could only observe the expected the normal no one was standing or sitting in the usual way therefore the room was empty a box of brett's turkish cigarettes was lying temptingly open he advanced touch those and i slay you snapped brett your miserable life is not worth one of them the man jumped as if he had been fired at the barrister coiled up like a boa constrictor glared at him in mock fury i beg pardon sir he blurted out i didn't know you was in evidently 
a more expert scoundrel would have stolen them under my very nose you are a bungler i really wasn't going to take any sir just put them away that is all in that packet said brett there are eighty-seven cigarettes i count them because each one is an epoch i don't count the cigars in the sideboard i prefer cigars grinned the waiter so i see you have two of the landlord's best sixpences in the left pocket of your waistcoat at this moment well if you ain't a fair scorcher the man gasped what you rascal would you call me names brett writhed convulsively and the waiter backed towards the door no sir i was callin no names we don't get too many perks we waiters don't sir i was out of bed until one o'clock and up again at six that's what i call hard work sir it is outrageous take five cigars thank you kindly sir what kept you up till one o'clock gossip sir just silly gossip all about mrs capella and beechcroft and i don't know what indeed and who was so interested in these topics as to spoil your beauty sleep the new gentleman who is so like mr david how very interesting said the barrister who certainly did not expect this revelation it seemed to be interesting to him sir you see the house is pretty full and when you brought him here last night sir the bookkeepers gave him the room next to mine last thing i fetched the gentleman a scotch and soda and a cigar he said he couldn't sleep and he was looking at a photograph i caught him squint at it and i says beg pardon sir but ain't that mrs capella miss margaret as used to be that started him you surprise me and the gentleman surprised me confided the waiter whose greatest conversational effects were produced by quickly adapting remarks made to him perhaps you're not aware sir that the lady's italian ospin ain't no good i have heard something of the sort then you've heard something right sir they do say as how he beats her the scoundrel scoundrel you should have seen number eighteen last night when i told him that my conscience he went on awful he did he seemed to be mad about mrs capella he is her cousin cousin that won't wash sir beggin your pardon you and me knows better than that i tell you again he is her cousin the waiter absent-mindedly dusted the back of a chair well sir it isn't for the likes of me to be contradictious but i've got two sisters and half a dozen cousins and i don't go kissin their pictures and swearing to have it out with their husbands oh come now you are romancing 
not a bit sir when i went to my room i heard him is there a wooden partition between number eighteen and your room yes sir and cracks large ones yes sir but why you should oh i see excuse me sir i thought i heard a bell the waiter hurried off and brett unwound himself so robert is in love with margaret he said laughing unmirthfully was there ever such a tangle if i indulge in a violent flirtation with miss leighton and i persuade winter to ogle miss giro the affair should be artistically complete the conceit brought ipswich to his mind he was convinced that the main line of inquiry lay in the direction of mr numagawa jiro and the curious masquerading of his colossal spouse he had vaguely intended to visit the local police now he made up his mind to go to ipswich and thence to london further delay at stowmarket was useless before his train quitted the station he made matters right with the station-master by explaining to him the identity of the two men who had attracted his attention the previous evening somehow the barrister imagined that the third visitant of that fateful new year's eve two years ago would not trouble the neighbourhood again herein he was mistaken at the county town he experienced little difficulty in learning the antecedents of mrs numagawa jiro in the first hotel he entered he found a young lady behind the bar who was not only well acquainted with mrs giro but remembered the circumstances of the courtship the fact is she explained there are a lot of silly girls about who think every man with a dark skin is a prince in his own country if only he wears a silk hat and patent leather boots is that all said brett all what cried the girl oh don't be stupid i mean when they are well dressed princes indeed catch me marrying a nigger but japanese are not niggers well they're not my sort anyhow and fancy a great gawk like flossy bird taking on with a little man who doesn't reach up to her elbow it was simply ridiculous what did you say her name is now he gave the required information and went on had mr giro any other friends in ipswich to your knowledge 
he didn't know a soul he was here for the assizes about some case i think oh i remember the stowmarket mystery and he stayed at the hotel where flossie was engaged how she ever came to take notice of him i can't imagine she was a queer sort of girl used to wear bloomers and get off her bike to clout the small boys who chiked at her do her people live here yes and a rare old row they made about her marriage for she is married i will say that for her but why are you so interested in her the fair hebe glanced in a mirror to confirm her personal opinion that there were much nicer girls than flossy bird left in ipswich not in her said brett in the example she set what do you mean if a little japanese can come to this town and carry off a lady of her size and appearance what may not a six-foot englishman hope to accomplish oh go on he took her advice and went on to the hotel patronized by mr giro during his visit to ipswich the landlord readily showed him the register for the assize week most of the guests were barristers and solicitors many of them known personally to brett none of the other names struck him as important though he noted a few who arrived on the same day as the japanese mr okasaki he took the next train to london and reached victoria street to find mr winter awaiting him and carefully nursing a brown paper parcel i got your wire mr brett he explained and this morning after mr giro went out alone where did he go to the british museum what on earth was he doing there examining manuscripts my assistant told me he was particularly interested in let me see it is written on a bit of paper here it is the nihon guai shi the external history of japan compiled by rai sanyo between eighteen o six and eighteen twenty seven containing a history of each of the military families that is all greek to me but my man got the librarian to jot it down for him your man has brains what were you going to say when i interrupted you only this no fat companion appeared to-day so i called at number seventeen st john's mansions in my favourite character as an old clo-man the barrister expressed extravagant admiration in dumb show but this did not deceive the detective who for some reason was downcast i saw mrs giro and knew in an instant that she was the stout gentleman who left her husband at piccadilly circus yesterday i was that annoyed i could hardly do a deal however here they are 
he began to unfasten the string which fastened the brown paper parcel here are what cried brett mrs giro's coat and trousers and waistcoat replied winter desperately she doesn't want em any more sold em for a song glad to be rid of em in fact he unfolded a suit of huge dimensions surveying each garment ruefully as though reproaching it personally for the manner in which it had deceived him then brett sat down and enjoyed a burst of homeric laughter End of chapter 18